All right. Thank you so much. Well, how many of you brought your Bible this morning? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building this morning? I want to ask you to join me now in the book of Genesis, chapter 40 this morning. The book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible. Genesis, chapter 40. I want to read one verse here and two verses in other books of the Bible and try to piece together a thought from the Word of God this morning. Genesis chapter number 40. While you're finding your place there, I want to invite you again to our service this afternoon at 5.30. And we're making plans now, moving forward into these days toward our 100th anniversary homecoming and then our big, big day that day and then all, uh, also kicking off our summertime soul-winning a program tonight as well. Tell you all about that in the service this evening, 5.30, for prayer room. Hope you'll be here for the service. Now, don't forget, Miss Mary Delp, this is Miss Teresa Evans. Her mother is in the hospital up in Galax and may have to have surgery today. And uh, so the family asked me to mention that to you to remember her in prayer, if you will, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, would you help Miss Delp now and please touch her and meet her needs, I pray. And God, touch her body, bless her doctors, as well as all of our people that are there at the hospital. Help them all, we pray, and bless the efforts of those who are attending to them. Help them to help our people, we pray. Bless their efforts, and then we ask you to put your hand upon our folks and help them today also. Give grace, we pray, to families that are hurting today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 40. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. You know, the ability, the ability to remember is one of the greatest blessings of our lives. Just having the capacity to remember things. I read this week, and I want you to listen to this, but I read this week an article that stated 35 amazing facts about our ability to remember. Now, I'm not going to give you all 35 of them, but let me just mention some of them, all right? Listen to this. Our brains, according to this article, our brains have the capacity to store up to 2.5 petabytes of data. Now, that don't mean anything to me and you, but it also said this. That's the equivalent of 3 million hours of TV shows. That's how much brain storage, memory storage that God has equipped us with in our minds. Have you, how many of you have ever done this before? Walked into a room and forgot what you were going in there after? Now, don't look down. We're not praying right now. But you have. I've done that before. Walked into a room and forgot what I went after. Well, listen to this. According to this, this study, walking through a doorway serves as an event boundary, which causes the mind to move on to the next activity. So really, walking through a doorway actually triggers your mind, your brain, to forget. What about this? How many left-handed people in here? This morning, if you're left-handed, raise your hand. All right, several are. Did you know this? Left-handed people have better memories than right-handed people do. That's right. According to this study, the left-handed people have a larger, and I hope I'm saying this right, they have a larger corpus callosum, which makes memories clearer to them than it does to people who are right-handed. Listen to this. Psychologists at the University of Michigan have found that when people spend an hour outside, it improves your memory by up to 20%. Listen to this. You're more likely... You're more likely to remember something if you say it out loud. So the choir was up here singing just a moment. I said, Mary Delp, while they were singing. 
Thyra looked over at me like, what happened? But I said it out loud so I wouldn't forget it. And I remembered it when I walked to the pulpit. What about that? Saying something out loud helps you to remember it. Boy, listen to this one. Now, you're going to like this one. A quick nap can help your mind retain memories better. That's why some of you are going to remember every word of this sermon this morning. Because <laughs> you're going to nap it out through the whole sermon this morning. But a quick nap can help your mind retain memories better. Listen to this. Some of you need to do this this morning. Sitting up straight helps you to recall memories more easily. Sitting up straight. What about this one? This is also a, a proven fact. If you're right-handed, clenching your right fist while you're trying to remember something will help you to remember it better. If you're left-handed, clenching your left fist will help you to remember something better. And if you're ambidextrous or, like me, amphibious, <laughs> clenching both fists at the same time will help you to remember something. What about this? In the lifespan of 80 years, a person will fill only one-tenth of the space in their memories. Now watch this. Listen to this. Our memories can hold up to one quadrillion pieces of information. Now, I'm not familiar with that quadrillion stuff, so that's one with 15 zeros after it. And then number 10, on an average day, the average human mind will have 70,000 thoughts per day. Oh, my goodness. The article also stated that some people will excel in memory. For instance, Napoleon. Napoleon had 30,000 soldiers under his command, and he could remember every one of them's names and their faces. I also read this, just throwing this in. But you know one of the best things you can eat for memories is avocados, which is why I'm going to forget. Because if you can't roll it in cornmeal and fried, I ain't eating it. Memories. Memories. Well, you say, Preacher, why are you telling us all that? Because i got three memory passages to read to you this morning. All right, let's start now in Genesis chapter 40. And I just want to read ver one verse, and I've got two other verses I'm going to put up on the screens preaching on memory. Look at verse 23. Genesis 40, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler... Now say the next word with me. Remember Joseph but forgot him. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot all about him. Now the next one, look up on the screen. I'm not going to have you to turn. Look up on the screen. Luke 23, 42. This is the thief talking to Jesus while he's hanging on the cross. And here's what the thief said. And he said to Jesus, Lord, say the next word with me, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. All right, so now but the, the butler didn't remember Joseph, but forgot him. The old thief said, Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then one final verse on memory, and that's this one right here. Luke chapter 16, verse number 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. So there you got three verses on the subject of memory. Joseph forgot the, bu uh, 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 the butler. Forgot. I done forgot what I was going to say this morning. <laughs> Shut up. So the butler forgot Joseph. The thief 
wanted to be remembered. And the rich man died in hell and remembered. Now, from these three texts, I should preach this as a series, but I'm going to just try to wrap it up in one message this morning. I want to say three things about remembering. First of all, number one, I want you to look up on the screen, and I want to say this about this first one. The first thing that I want to call your attention is this, that the butler forgot when he should have remembered. The butler forgot when he should have remembered. Now, listen to this. Let me tell you the story just in a nutshell. As this chapter opens, Genesis chapter 40, as it opens, this butler is in a terrible, terrible predicament. He has done something that has brought upon him the ire, the anger of the king. We read in verse number 2 that Pharaoh, Pharaoh was wroth against the butler. Now, I don't know what the butler's done to get the anger, the ire of the king up toward him. I don't know. Maybe if he put too much starch in the king's shirts, or I don't know if maybe he's been showing up late for work, or maybe even perhaps he's been letting things slip around the palace. But for whatever the reason, the butler, the, the, the Pharaoh is angry with the butler. So angry with him, in fact, that he has thrown him in jail. He has incarcerated the butler. He has been shut up in jail. Well, one night, while the butler is in jail, the butler has a dream. He has a dream. And he understands from that dream God's trying to get a message to him, but he don't know what the message is. Now, in his dream, here's what he sees. He sees three branches, and these branches have got blossoms on them, which in turn, these blossoms produce these large clusters of juicy, ripe grapes. Well, the old butler reaches out, gets a big old cluster of those grapes, and he squeezes them in his hand, and the juice trickles down his hands into the cup of Pharaoh. And then that was all of his dream, and then he woke up. Now, he didn't understand what that meant. He did not get, he did not comprehend the message that God was trying to get across to him. He saw the branches, he saw the blossoms. He saw the, he saw the grapes, he squeezed them, the juice ran down into the cup of Pharaoh, but he's totally confused, he's disoriented, he's bewildered about what the dream actually means. Well, one day, while he's in jail, going about his daily activities, he bumps in to a boy by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph, in a previous chapter, has been accused of trying to sexually assault the man that he's working for. He's been accused of trying to sexually assault the wife of the man that he's working for. Now, when we read the Bible, we know Joseph is completely innocent of that. In fact, he's not coming on to her. She's coming on to him. Amen. That's right. She's trying to get him to go to bed with her. It's not vice versa. But when he refuses her advances, the Word of God said, Hell hath no fury like a woman's corn. The Word of God don't say that. Brother Tim just said that. I'm sorry. Let me forget that right now. Should have ate some avocados this morning. So, all right. So he's refused her advances. She starts crying, Rape, rape. He's eventually caught, and by the way, I don't even think her husband believed the story she was telling because if, if he'd have believed it, he had the power to have Joseph put to death. He just throws Joseph in jail, and Joseph is in jail completely innocent while the butler is completely guilty. All right, stay with me now. So one morning while the butler is going around in the jail, he bumps into Joseph. 
He's got a, he's got a, a frown, a look, of, a look of confusion on his face. And Joseph said, hey, tell me, what's, what's wrong with you this morning? I've never seen you look this way before. Why the scowl on your face? Oh, the butler said, I had a dream last night. I had a dream, and I feel like, I feel like that dream meant something, but I don't know. I, I, don't rem- I, I, don't know. I don't know what the dream was trying to say to me. Joseph said, hey, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me a dream. Uh, maybe God will give me the And sure enough, he, he tells him, I saw three branches. On those branches were some blossoms. On those blossoms were clusters of grapes. I c- squeezed those grapes, and, and the juice ran down into Pharaoh's cup. Oh, Joseph said, I'll tell you what. I got some good news for you, Mr. Butler. Because what God's telling you is those three branches are three days. And in three days, you're going to be restored to your position back in the palace of Pharaoh. Butler, cheer up. You're getting ready to get out of here. Boy, he had some good news for the butler. But now join me in verse 14. Look in this chapter, verse 14. Stay with me. And in verse 14, but Joseph says this. Now look, when you get back up there, would you please, in verse 14, would you please... Think on me. Look at verse 14. Would you think about me, please? And will you you show kindness, I pray thee, unto me? By the way, how many of you will agree with me that's the least the butler could have done for Joseph? I mean, Joseph gave him some good news about his soon release. Joseph gave him the interpretation of his dreams when he was completely confused and bewildered by them. The least he could do, hey, would be to show kindness to Joseph. And the least he could do would be to think about Joseph. Look at verse 14. The least he could do would be make mention of Joseph unto Pharaoh. The least he could do would try to do everything in his power to secure the release of Joseph from the prison house. That's the least he could have done. But now we drop all the way down to verse 23, and we read this. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but... Forgotten. That leads me to make that statement. He forgot when he should have remembered. Now, how many of us are just like the old butler in this story? How many of us have made promises to our heavenly Joseph before? And instead of remembering those promises, we forgot them. How many people in this room at some point in your life, you were in some kind of terrible predicament in your life, but you told the Lord, Lord, if you'll get me out of this mess, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Lord, if you'll touch my body and heal me of this disease. Lord, if you'll keep my family together. Lord, if you'll help me to get enough money to pay this bill or to keep my house, no matter what it is, Lord, I give you my word. If you'll keep your word, I'll keep my word. But how many of us... When God kept his word, we forgot our word. How many of us, just like the old butler, I mean, man, we walked out of that prison, scot-free, went back to our position in society, went back to our families. Everything was instantaneously made all right. And, uh, boy, we went about our daily activities, the routine of our life, and we forgot all about our heavenly Joseph who made everything all better for us. How many people am I sitting, am I speaking to in this room today and you have forgotten when you should have remembered? Amen. Amen. 
I mean, maybe you sit here in this room today and you're completely, totally out of the will of God. God's been so good to you. God has answered prayer. God has delivered you time and time again. God got you out of the prison house of sin. God saved your soul. God wrote your name down the Lamb's Book of Life. God kept your home together. God healed your body. God supplied that financial need. And yet, when you should have remembered, you forgot. Amen, Amen preacher. I wonder who's sitting here this morning. You've turned your back on the Lord after how good He's been to you. You've turned your back on our heavenly Joseph and you forgot when you should have remembered. The least He could have done, the least He could have done was to have made mention of, of Joseph to somebody. The least He could have done was to think on Joseph the least he could have done was to uh, make mention of Joseph. The least he could have done was to show kindness to Joseph. The least he could have done was to try to get Joseph out of the prison house, accused of a crime that he was completely innocent of after what, what Joseph done for the butler, and yet the butler forgot all about Joseph. I don't know why this is working in my heart this morning, but how many people sitting right here, you have forgotten when you should have remembered? Amen. God did something for you. God got you off them drugs. God got you off that alcohol. God kept your family together when it looked like for sure your wife was going to walk out tired of all that garbage going on in your life. And yet you prayed and you asked the Lord to save you and you trusted Christ and God cleans you up. And yet instead of remembering God and living for God and serving God, you've went about your daily life and you forgot all about the one who gave you the good news of a soon release in your life. He forgot when he should have remembered. Now go with me now to Luke chapter 23 because here's a second incident about remembering in the Bible. But the butler, he forgot when he should have remembered. But now watch this. The thief on the cross, the thief on the cross was remembered when he should have been forgotten. How are you all with me on that? <laughs> he was remembered when he should have been forgotten. Stay with me for just a moment. Because in Luke 23, in that text that I read this morning, what we've got there is the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross. He has been beaten, in our terminology, he's been beaten to a pulp. I mean, if we would have saw the Son of God hanging on the cross that day, we wouldn't even have been able to have recognized him as a human being hanging on that cross. That's how bad he's been beaten. The Bible said back in the book of Isaiah that his visage, his facial features was marred more than that of any man. I mean, he didn't even look like a human being. I mean, he was just one running bloody bruise while hanging on that cross. And yet we're reminded that day that when Jesus was put to death on the cross, he didn't die by himself on the cross that day because on either side of him there was a thief also being put to death. I, I say this oftentimes, but, you know, most times when people think when Jesus died on the cross, he died on a cross in a cathedral between two candles. But in reality, Jesus died on the cross uh, between two criminals, not two candles. He was put to death, and there was a criminal on one side and a criminal on the other side. Now, we call them thieves, the thieves on the cross. But Luke uses a word in his text, and, and he doesn't call them a thief. He calls them a malefactor. Now, I've got to get you to understand something about these boys. They're not your typical pickpockets. 
No, sir. The word malefactor means to cut. That's what the word means. So I'm gathering from that these boys that are being put to death for the Son of God are not only guilty of taking people's loot, they're also guilty of taking people's lives. They're what we would call in our terminology today cutthroats. They would cut your throat for $5. They would kill you for $5. One can only imagine the wickedness that these two sinful thieves have been caught up in, the crimes that they've committed, the people that they've killed. And yet one of them, in the dying moments of his life, while the clock of his life was winding down to zero, just before the buzzer sounded, he pulls himself up on that cross and he looks over at the Lord Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me. Now, I'll tell you something. He should have been forgotten, but he wanted to be remembered. I mean, what right? I mean, stop and think about what this thief is literally saying. He said, Jesus, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I think everybody in this room will agree with me when I say this. He shouldn't have been remembered. He should have been forgotten. I mean, he, he couldn't say this. Lord, if you'll remember me, I'll spend the rest of my life living for you. He didn't have no more life left. I mean, he was about to die. He was in the closing moments of his life. He couldn't say, Jesus, if you'll remember me on the other side of death, uh, and you, when you come into your kingdom, remember me, and I'll give you the rest of my life. He had no more life to give. What about this? He couldn't say, Jesus, if you remember me, I'll do my best for you from here on out. He didn't have a for here on out. He had no best left. So I think everybody in this room will agree with me when I say this. He had some audacity in the final moments of his life, wasted his life living in sin, doing what he wanted to do, cutting people, robbing people, living in wickedness. He had some audacity in the final moments of his life to look over to the Son of God, hanging on the middle cross, and say, Jesus, remember me. I said, Jesus should have looked at him and said, Are you kidding me? I mean, here you are. You've wasted your life. I mean, we've come down to the final moments. Are you going to blow the smoke of your wasted life in my face and expect me to remember you? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to remember you. But can I tell you, in an amazing turn of events, <laughs> in an amazing, in an amazing turn of events, the Lord Jesus said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He was remembered when he should have been forgotten. Can I tell you something? I'm looking, I don't know how many of us are in here this morning, but I'm looking at hundreds and hundreds of people in this room that should have been forgotten. Amen. In fact, can I say this? Every last one of us ought to be forgotten. But aren't you glad for the good day in your life when you looked over at the one dying on the middle cross and said, Jesus, I can't give you my best. I got no best left. Jesus, I can't give you much of a life. I ain't got much life left, but please remember me. And Jesus said, okay, today I'll remember you. We should have been forgotten. We should have been destined and doomed for hell forever and ever and ever and ever. But thank God, instead of being forgotten, we were remembered. Amen. Amen. So the butler, he forgot when he should have remembered. The thief was remembered when he should have been forgotten. But now that brings us to a third one. Over in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16, we have the story of the rich man who died and went to hell. And for him, I want to say this. I want to say he 
wanted to forget, but was forced to remember. He, he wanted to forget, but was forced to remember. You remember over in that text in Luke chapter 16, the Bible tells us that there were a rich man, there was also Lazarus. One was filthy poor, the other was filthy rich. But they had one thing in common, and that one thing they had in common was this. They both had to die. You know, there is a verse in our Bible, and I want to say it's Proverbs 22, 2, chapter 22, verse 2, that says this. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. You know something? As far as this walk of life goes, the rich and the poor don't ever get together too much, do they? Now, I'm glad we can come to church and the rich and poor can get together here. You know something, one of the wonderful things about our church fellowship is this, that a doctor can sit in the same row as a guy who drives an old garbage truck. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? On the basis of the, of the Son of God and His mercy and His grace, God can bring the rich and the poor together in fellowship in the house of God. But outside of that, the rich and poor don't get together too much. I mean, the rich, they eat at the steakhouse. The poor, they eat at k and The rich, the rich, they eat, man, they eat the filet mignon. The poor, the McDoubles. They don't come together too much. But there is a place where the ground is level. There is a place, friend, where the rich and the poor meet together. Now, of course, that place you and I know is Calvary. But there's also another place where they meet together, and that's at death. Because the rich die just like the poor. And the poor die just like the rich. The rich may have the money to be able to stabilize life, sustain life a little longer. I mean, he may can keep the machines hooked up a little longer than the poor old boy can. The government says, we ain't got nothing for him. Let him go. The rich may hang around a little longer. But when it comes to death, we both walk in the same door on level ground. The rich man died, and the Bible said this. He was buried. The Bible said the poor man died, and he was carried. Can I tell you something? There is an eternity's worth of difference between being buried and carried. <laughs> I'm so glad that when I die, I know you take me out. Don't burn me. You do what you want to do, but don't, bless God, I've done left specific instructions. Don't burn me. Amen. Amen. Plant me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, sir. I don't want to, I ain't going to go, I'm not going to hell and I ain't going through that fire on my way to heaven. Amen. Bury me. And, and the Bible said, and, and one of these days, I might be buried, but I'm going to be carried into the presence of Jesus. So Jesus pulls back the veil and he says, okay, let me show you what life is like on the other side of death. And he pulls back the veil and he gives us a glimpse. And the Bible said that old poor boy that had nothing in life, he was resting in Abraham's bosom. And he was comforted. But the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes. And then the Bible tells us three things about it. Number one, he was, being, he was, he was in torment. He was tormented. Number two, the Bible tells us that he was thirsty. But here's what I want you to I want to leave you with, and that's this. Number three, the Bible tells us he was thinking. He said to son, Abraham said, Son, 
remember that thou in thy lifetime receive a thing. You know, one of the, one of the, I guess, the most horrible things about hell is people still going to have their memories in hell. You see, when you die and go to hell, when somebody dies and goes to hell, they just don't burn up like a piece of wood and, and then it's over with. You know, they tell me, and I'm, I'm close associates with the funeral home. In fact, I think when I retire from pastoring, I'm going to work at the funeral home. I spend so much time there. But can I tell you what they tell me? You know, most of the time when these people, their bodies are cremated, what they do is they have to put you in some kind of container. I hope I'm going to change some of y'all's mind about this this morning. But they've got to put you in some kind of a box or a container to cremate you. It's against government rules for some reason just to slap somebody in there and fry them. So the guy puts you in this container. And when the ashes come out on the other side, the ashes that you see that most of us think are our precious loved ones, you know what they are? They're the ashes of that box you was placed in because the human body just burns up and consumes. Ask them. Ask them. Call up there and ask them this morning if I'm telling you the truth. I'm around them enough. I know these things. And, and the ashes are what we think. Boy, that's my precious loved one right there. Really, it's a mostly box of the thing that's been incinerated in the fires. That's right. But can I tell you something? When a person dies and goes to hell, they just don't burn up and that's over with. They're in some kind of an eternal body. And let me tell you what they're going to do throughout all of eternity. You say, preacher, they're going to burn and burn and burn throughout all of eternity. Yes, but let me tell you what they're really going to do throughout all of eternity. They're going to die and die and die throughout all eternity. Death is a terrible thing. I have been by the bedside of many of our precious folks here. Let me tell you something. I've never seen a pretty death. I never, and I've seen some way. Brother Trent, what a way to go. Go eat Shatley Springs, fill up on country ham, check out. What a way to go, man. But can I tell you something? There's nothing pretty about death at all. When Jesus, when you get saved, we receive the gift of eternal life. Am I right? What's that verse, Romans 6, 23? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is. But if you reject Jesus, you don't get eternal life. You know what you get? Eternal. What's the opposite of eternal life? Eternal death. And for one long eternity that'll never have an ending. It's just going to be dying and dying. And watch this. And remembering. And remembering. You say, preacher, what are they going to remember? They're going to remember this. They chose hell over heaven. They chose the devil over Jesus. I think they'll remember every gospel invitation they've ever received. They'll remember Woodland Baptist Church on May the 19th when the preacher stood up and tried to get them to give their heart to Jesus. And we sang an invitation song and invited, to come, invited people to come to Jesus. They'll remember that invitation song. They'll remember the, the pleading of a, of a pastor. They'll remember the track of a loved one. They'll remember the tears of somebody praying over them. They'll remember every opportunity, every beautiful day, every, every family reunion, every family cookout, Every, every wonderful evening, every sunset, they'll remember it all in hell. And it'll haunt them throughout all of eternity. He wanted to forget, but he was forced to remember. Amen. I don't know. Somebody said when we get to heaven that God's just going to wipe all the memories away. I don't know about that. I do know he's going to wipe all the tears away. 
And I do think, I mean, if we're in heaven and our loved ones are in hell, maybe if we know that throughout all of eternity, maybe there'll be a certain sadness, a degree of sadness to that. So maybe God's going to somehow fix it where we won't have to remember that throughout all of eternity. But I'm going to tell you something. You die without Jesus, friend, there'll be no fixing your memory. It'll be forever and forever and forever. One long eternal night filled with the memories that it didn't have to be. Don't you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning? Don't you want to come to Jesus today and get saved and get right with God? Listen, you, it doesn't have to be like that. You can be saved. You don't have to die and go to hell. Jesus already paid the payment on Calvary. And all you've got to do this morning is just come to Him and receive Him as your Savior, and you can be saved. So the butler, he forgot when he should have remembered. The thief, he was remembered when he should have been forgotten. And the old rich man in hell, he wanted to forget, but was forced to remember. Where do you play out in all that? I'm so glad. I'm so glad the Lord remembered me. I should have been forgotten. How about you? Everybody in this room should have. The Lord should have said, you have some audacity after the way you've lived to ask me to remember you on the other side. Are you kidding me? But aren't you so glad? I'm talking about in a man that's, that's just wasted his whole life. Aren't you glad that God's mercy and grace can even extend to somebody like that? What about you this morning? Maybe I'm speaking to somebody in this room this morning and you asked the Lord to remember you and yet you've gone out and forgot all about Him. You're living your life in a way. You're going about your daily life, the routine of your life, and you don't never remember Jesus I'm telling you this morning, He deserves our, our remembering Him. He deserves our devotion and our love and our steadfastness and our faithfulness. He deserves all of that. Why in the world are we going to try to forget somebody like that? It's been so good to us. All right, say it with me. Here we go. The butler, he forgot when he should have remembered. The thief, he remembered, was remembered when he should have been forgotten. And the rich man, Wanted to forget, but was forced to remember. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.